recruitment is back in business. We've got content going again. Hooray. So um, firing up our dormant content, we've got Jimmy Reed from Team USA. And we've got Sam Blanchet from Team GB via French Canada. And uh, <laughs> very welcome, obviously. Um, and basically, today's chat is going to be around um, kind of mental resilience and fortitude and uh, kind of bounce back ability and everything these guys have been through, like huge injuries and injuries that have kept them out of seasons or for Jimmy and his particular story, which he'll share with you in a second. Major decisions made in his career with a view to being ready for the Olympic Games, which is the pinnacle, which is the thing we're all working towards. And, you know, contrary to some beliefs, not an easy route. Um, we'll get that dig in nice and early. And yeah, and so we're going to go into everything. We'll start with Jimmy. Jimmy. Tell us who you are, tell us what you hurt, and tell us what, what your process has been so far in the build-up to 2022. All right, so um, Team USA bobsledder, uh, the end of, well, I guess, I mean, kind of like every athlete, I've had, like, nagging injuries throughout my entire career, and for me specifically, that has been, like, my left, my whole left side. So I've had injuries to hamstring, uh, adductor, hip flexor, quad, all on that left side. So it's kind of just like reoccurring injuries for me. Um, start of coronavirus, everything shut down here. So we didn't have access to sports medicine, massage therapy. We couldn't be in the weight room um, like everybody else in the world. Um, but we still had an upcoming season. So I was still going to train. Um, and I was particularly eager to train that off season because we were supposed to be having world championships in Lake Placid. Um, so yeah. I pushed pretty hard that summer to get ready. And then I was actually in really good shape. Um, and then just my hip flexor started deteriorating and then I wasn't able to train anymore. Um, and through some imaging and consultation with our doctors, we decided that I had a sports hernia. Um, and it was going to be, I needed surgery. Um, and it was going to be between three and six months. Um, and initially, the hardest part about deciding to get surgery was missing out on a home world championships um because we could have potentially like challenged for a medal on our home track with hunter and cody being as good as they are here um so that was really hard and that was really the one thing that i had to to consider on whether or not i wanted to um sit out the season do you do you remember when they called or when they took away the lake placid world championships uh like late yeah, summer in fall? the summer wasn't it yeah yeah i think it was like <laughs> I, I don't remember specifically either, but it was, it was right around the same time that I was thinking about getting surgery. Right. And it was almost um, as soon as they took away the world championships from Lake Placid, plus with all the question marks that were happening with the season because of COVID, it was like, it was a no brainer. It was like, boom, I'm done. I'm out. I'm going to take off the season, get ready for the Olympics. And then they moved the world championships to Altenburg. And I felt like I made an even better decision because I didn't want to go back for the third year in a row and it crashed on my head. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome. I mean, you know, it would have been better for the anecdote if you had made the decision before all the American champs have been cancelled. But yeah. we can fix that in post. Um, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Uh, <laughs> but no, obviously, still, it's still a huge decision. And a really, you know, uh, the, the sign of a, of a mature athlete, obviously, making that sort of decision because... 
like you say, you're still fired up. You still want to, you still want to compete. You still want to show you the best in the world. And particularly among brakemen, obviously, you're, you're such a, it's such a, uh, a fired up event and sport. You want it. It's just pure um, aggression and focus and um, speed and power for you know emptying the tank for less than five seconds. You know, you can't do that half-hearted or with a half-hearted mindset. So that yeah. would have been certainly for me, me uh, an incredibly difficult decision to forego an entire season with the, with the bigger picture. I think it's, uh, I think it's, it's a it's a really cool thing. But yes, that's so that's that's Jimmy. That's the loose start to Jimmy. We'll move on to Sam quickly. So Sam, tell us about what happened to you this year and uh, and the process you're kind of going through now and where you're up to. Yeah, so um, I came back, as you briefly mentioned, from an avulsion fracture of my hip um, this summer. Had a great summer, was in great shape, um, and we were and we were looking to have a great season. Obviously, COVID struck, um, and. I mean, our particular team had a terrible season with injury. See, with Brad um, having ankle problems meant we missed the first four World Cups. Nick obviously tore his hamstring badly. And then um, in St. Moritz in January, um, I ruptured my Achilles. You were there, actually, right behind me. <laughs> I, was, I was holding the yeah. hand. <laughs> yeah. I actually think you did it to me. I did. You I pulled it back. A little harder on the right. And then yeah. I heard the gunshot and I was like, right, I did it. Brilliant. Good, I'm racing. Yeah. <laughs> no, no it, was, it was a total freak injury. Obviously, I've had, it's not obvious, but I've had some pretty serious injuries in the past few years. And this is the one that was just a total fluke. Like it was, um, obviously that garage is, is horrible anyway at the best of times. And Tamaritz, yeah. Yeah, it was minus, was it minus 30 that day? Um, there was a patch of like black ice that I didn't see. And I was doing some um, resisted bounds. Uh, my foot came down. It like jerked back, and then that little jerk like caused it to pop. Um, and obviously, I knew straight away because we we both heard it. Um, I didn't believe it. I yeah, I felt like I pretty much. If you weren't there holding me back, I would have fell flat on my face, and I just knew it didn't hurt. Actually, that's probably the only good thing. Well, I ruptured my nerve as well. Yeah, you talk, you literally shredded that entire thing, Jimmy. I don't know if you saw. I posted the Sam sent me the video to the surgeon when they were operating on it, and it's it's, it's a, it looks like a tree stump. It's like completely completely apart. Um, yeah. Testament to power, which I suppose you want to take some sort of positive from it. But um, but I remember because I remember it kind of you hit the floor and it's you slipped a bit. So I thought you that gunshot sound I thought was just you hitting the floor and you yeah. bouncing forward. And then you were looking back at me because Jimmy, because I know everything Sam's been through up to now, all his other major injuries. He like turned yeah. and he was like. My Achilles is gone, bro. It's gone. It's completely gone. And, and part of me is thinking, I'm the spare. It's minus 30 and I'm freezing cold to my bones because I was woefully underdressed. That's, that's, yeah. that's just me, ever the professional. Um, and, uh, and, I was, and I remember lifting up your, your trackies to try and have a look at the calf, like, like I could see anything. Yeah. Like, anyway. <laughs> to Greg. And, uh, and then yeah. the penny dropped. And I was like, shit. And then you just sat on the floor, bless you, between a couple of cars. I ran over to Brad to deliver the good news that another one of his brakemen was gone. <laughs> ran up That's and then, yes. yeah. <laughs> it's been an absolute nightmare. But um, but yeah. But anyway. But fast forward. You got into your pioneering surgery, and you're now like ludicrously fit for where you should be if you'd had traditional uh, tendon repair. Yeah, I mean, obviously at the time, like I mean, as an athlete, you always hear about Achilles ruptures, and they're always not always, but they tend to be either career enders or really long. Um, when you're like, left a year out from an Olympic Games, it's uh, yeah. I, I genuinely so I thought I thought that was it. Like it was, I was in total shock. I thought um, I'd just never get to an Olympics, and um, and I was kind of thinking about the long recovery process involved. 
Um, but obviously, um, John Jackson, who was the GB1 pilot at the 2014 Games, had an Achilles ruptures in, in August of the Olympic year. Um, and he had this pioneering surgery with um, a doctor called uh, Gordon Mackay up in Glasgow, um, who I think the operation is called the internal brace, but essentially normally they, they sew your Achilles back together. But with this, um, they like thread um, some kind of filament through your calcaneus, so your heel. It goes all the way through and it loops round. And then they tie the, the Achilles um, with, and again, like some different kind of wire. But essentially you end up with a bionic Achilles. Um, I was actually know how we did it. Yeah, well, I can get some stuff for you to post. Um, but it's essentially, so it's a loop from from one side of the heel and it goes up through the tendon, goes around and then um, attaches to the other side of the heel. And then um, they obviously tie it together as well. But it just What's means typical that, recovery time for a Achilles injury? Uh, it kind of depends on the sport, but for kind of sprint and bob, say it'd be like 12 plus months. Um, long, long and that, like, yeah, I was talking to a physio and he had a long jumper. He had a really successful surgery, took him like 14 months to get back to anywhere near his like previous shape. Um, and you are with this? So I'm uh, three months as of, well, on Wednesday to tomorrow. Right. And uh, on boxes and. Yeah, I'm, I'm back doing pliers, like I'm doing like what bikes. Um, I was walking after that three weeks, which is just insane. Um, I, yeah, I'm, I might be running tomorrow. It's dependent on how I do in my like, uh, my physio session, but um, it, yeah, I'm like back doing pliers and everything. I, I'd be, the kind of training I'm doing now, I'd be doing anyway at this point of the season. Yeah, like, like, so it's, it's, right? yeah, it's, it's almost like, yeah, I don't, so obviously our, our pre-season starts in end of June is our first camp in Germany, um, and I'll be pushing by then, I mean, the way I'm going. So. It's great. I mean, mate, you're, you're, you're literally a walking, like, business card for Dr. Mackay, right? You're literally a My surgery does. If you're not having surgery with me, you are an idiot. So, um, but it's testament yeah. to rehab and that as well. But, I mean, so anyway, as I said, so this chat's framed around, largely around mental resilience. So I've just got you guys to kind of loosely give your backgrounds there and what you've been going through, because I want you, I want you to talk about, um, from, from the athletic perspective, um, the, the notion of, of resilience or like bounce back ability and that feeling of self-belief, that feeling of, you don't know what, I don't know, I don't know how you guys would describe it, but that feeling of whatever's within you that you believe that the Olympic Games, that pinnacle sporting um, ability or that, that legacy, whatever you want to leave as an athlete, everything that drives you to, to no matter what gets put in your way, whether it be, you know, bereavement or COVID or, or any serious life traumas that we all experience um, or major injury, um, none of that stops you and you can make like you have Jimmy grown up decisions about your future to make sure you're ready for the big one and not you know fall into ego and thinking no I just want to be good now and la 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 and Sam as well for you for having so many significant trauma traumatic injuries how you manage to stay the course and not just go I can't deal with this anymore because I think a lesser person would have so I mean so if Jimmy if we start with you so riff around that what, what for you is uh, what drives you what helps you kind of make those decisions and, and do it so successfully so I think my major driver right now is uh, the fact that I missed the 2018 Olympics. Um, so in 2017, that off season, five days before our national push championships, I tore my hamstring. Um, 
grade two, pretty serious hamstring um, tear. And that came off of that really good season that I had um, with Steve Holcomb. Like we won a few medals and we finished third in the world. So it was like this really high, great season. And then just like all came crashing down, tore my hamstring, missed push champs, missed team trials. Uh, luckily was still named to the national team. Um, but like, it just didn't work out, didn't get to race, ended up being the alternate. Um, so like, didn't get to compete. So like, fast forward four years later, like the only thing in my mind is doing everything in my power to be healthy for Olympic season. Cause like at, at this point for me, like entering my eighth season, um, I've been on the national team every single year, except for this past year. Cause I took the year off. Like, mm-hmm. like I've proven myself and like, I just need to be healthy. And so like, not wanting to miss the home world championships. Like that was a big factor, but then like looking ahead of another year of like making sure that I'm healthy for the Olympics was like the big driver for me. And like, I would have sat out two years if it meant being yeah. healthy for the Olympics. And I, I think ultimately I, I made the right decision. Um, and then you add COVID into the equation and I don't feel like I missed very much of anything because this year was just so incredibly hectic. Um, and then actually, I think it's a little bit advantageous for me because I've been able to start training that much earlier. Um, and I'm beat up that much less. So, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. And, and you know what this is, and this is actually a complete accident. You yeah. are, you are both the ultimates from your respective nations due to injury. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Sam is as well. So Sam's on yeah. the same pathway. I mean, yeah. Sam, go on. I mean, we've, I mean, that's crazy. Obviously, Jimmy, I didn't know your story before this, but um, yeah, I pretty much had a very similar um, 2018 season to you. Like, I came off the back. We got named Team of the Year 2017, had a great season. Um, and then, yeah, I ended up breaking my back in uh, 2018 in a crash. I what missed what the crash mid- was that? It was in a training run in Whistler. Oh, okay. Uh, but we flipped like corner seven and I think it was around Thunderbird just got smashed um, into, into the wall. Um, I didn't think nothing, and I didn't think much of it. And then, um, yeah, it turned out it was really bad because I was getting like nerve issues and I missed the majority of that season. Um, and I was only back fit pretty much for Olympic selection. And I was like pretty much just because of my results the season before I got named as, um, as the alternate for, for GB. So it's wow. a very similar story to you. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I, I mean, I know exactly how you feel. It's like, you're so close. You come off the back of such a great year of competition and then it all like, it fell apart so quickly. Yeah. Um, and then that's another four years that you have to wait, which is obviously you very good. Sam, obviously being on that, um, at the 2018 test event, you were on the crew with, um, with like myself and Bruce and Brad, and we had, we, had a start record we equaled the, we had a start record uh, with the with actually the americans um i can't remember if actually might i don't know if it was your crew jimmy but um, um i don't think we pushed that well at the start event we were all pretty broken at the end of that season oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that was a... well it wasn't your crew then <laughs> it was well one of the american crews and then i, mean, I, think, I think it maybe... was also yeah, yeah probably also yeah it could have been so so you've been a part of also on so that was part of sam's kind of uh say you know he'd had on ice high quality, like world-class performance, it was like a 4.18. Yeah. 
um, on the Olympic track and stuff like that. And I remember Sam at the time, do you remember when we were, when you went home and you were messaging me saying, Sam was training in Bath and doing, obviously coming back into shape and doing some really fast push times through the gates that were comparable to the top times of our selection. And uh, I remember saying to you, I was like, don't send this to me, send this to the head coach, send it to the PD, do not stop, show them what you're doing because they'll forget about you. And they, you know, coaches don't want the headache of selection decisions. They all want it to be as easy as possible. So if you're bombarding them with, look, I've got results, data, 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 and you can't fake unless you were running down the track, flicking the light beam and get a fake time. <laughs> Just um, throwing tennis balls on the tracks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, well, he's fast. Um, no, and I think that definitely helped as well. That definitely bolstered your case because you were like, well, look, the guy's in shape and has on ice demonstrated performance um, pedigree. Um, they, they couldn't use that. I don't know if it came in my selection, but I, I remember messaging Pricey and, and Lee and they said they couldn't, obviously couldn't use that because I was doing it alone on the push track. But I think that was, that gave me confidence as well because I was like, oh, I'm back to where I was. Yeah. Like I finally recovered. Like I think it would have ranked like top two or three in the, the kind of Olympic test. Um, and I was doing it alone, like <laughs> with no one around. Perfect. So it would have been... But again, for you, Sam, particularly your, you know, repeat, you know, you've had repeat traumatic injuries. Like what's, what's kept you, you know, driving for 22? What's made you not just go, okay, I'm just going to go and get a career now. I'm just going to go and do something else. Um, obviously, Bob says chronically underpaid or unpaid. Um, <laughs> Is like, it pay? What, what's <laughs> it? Wait, you guys get paid? Yeah. We just, yeah, it's, it's, it sucks. But it's obviously, because again, that's part of us striving for something bigger, right? But what, what, yeah. what has kept you in the game, Sam? Because you've also then had the form of genuine physical pain and, uh, you know, potentially something that's going to prohibit you from coming back to that sort of shape. Yeah, it's just like wanting, like 2018, I was going to, I was set on going to the games and competing in it. And I just could not retire without having done it. And, um, I mean, like every time I've kind of tested since then, like I've I've gotten better than I ever have been. And like I know if I'm in shape that I'll be competing at the game, so I don't know why I'd stop. Yeah. Um, so it's just it's just a case of like the years of sacrifice and the years of kind of hard work being meaningless if I didn't see through what I set out to do. Um, and I think it helps as well that Brad's obviously a great pilot. Um, and we've got some really great athletes in our team and yeah, kind of things clip together um, and everyone's in, like fit and not injured. And I think there's a really good chance that we can do some great things. So it was a no brainer for me, really. I can earn money after the Olympics. It's just temporary. Yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> um, and what about for you as well, Jimmy? I mean, is, is there anything like, um, like if you had, you know, other athletes coming into the sport and everything, like your experience and everything you've done, what would you, what advice would you give for things like in terms of resilience becomes this kind of, it's like this other stuff like perseverance, you know, it's kind of gets vague. Like how would you drill into it? How would you say to somebody if there's, if, if, if some young kid came into the American program and was like, you know, I were maybe struggling or, you know, wanting to get to the next step and stuff, how, how would you advise them using your experiences? What would, what would you say, you know, is it about what it means to be able to the game, what it means to them? Like what, how would you help lift that person who's also in your position? You know, I, I kind of look at it, that at least on the American team, um, most of the athletes who are here are athletes who weren't good enough in their former sports 
to go to the next level. Like if we were good enough track runners or football players, we would be running professional track or playing in the NFL, but like that, that's not the case. And so we, but we still have this motivation, like this intrinsic motivation of like wanting to be better and like reach our full potential as an athlete. And then a lot of us find bobsled. And so I think first off, that's why like we stick around for as long as we do, even though it's a, not a very popular sport and we don't make much money or sometimes any money. Um, but I, I think it's just that inner drive to prove to yourself that like you're better than maybe like your results showed in university or like you should have gone to the next level or, you know, whatever that individual reason may be. I feel like there's just a lot of people trying to prove that like they are good enough and like, at least for myself, like that's one of the reasons that I kept on going for four years is like, I don't think I've reached my full potential. I've gotten a little bit better every single year. And I, I want to walk away from the sport knowing that I've done everything that I'm capable of doing. And I feel like I'm really close at that point. I just got to be healthy and <laughs> make it through. <laughs> well, Easier said than done, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> That's um, again probably ties in again with the point about it being a no-brainer for you to forego this season as well because you know it's that kind of no regrets thing, isn't it? Really, you know you've made. I don't know Sam's wanting to quote Willa Millers again, but um, you 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 know you <laughs> you haven't got those regrets of looking back and going if you did have a you know it was, let's be honest it was a dud of a year like it didn't mean anything you know it was great for competing and still being a part of keeping our you know keeping our toes in the water as it were and testing kit or whatever else the pilots need to feel they need to do um but you know it was it was good for those sorts of things but it was an inconsequential year in terms of the ranking points and blah 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 so for you i guess if you had pushed and kept going and then something really had broken off yeah you would then live with that regret so it sounds like yeah absolutely you made the right decision yeah that, that, that was one of the things that made me come back in the first place so after 2018 and I didn't make the games like I, I was I was angry I was upset um you know you know put you put in all this work and then like you don't get to become an Olympian um and I, I wasn't sure for like four or five months if I was going to come back and like I did some serious soul searching and then mm-hmm. at the end of that I was like I would be more upset with myself if I didn't come back and as opposed to like, I come back and don't make the Olympics again. Like I would rather come back, like work as hard as I can. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But like, just to walk away when you're like so incredibly close is like, I think 10 years, like I obviously would have regretted that. It's yeah. funny you, you mentioned the anger. Cause I remember after the Olympics, how like, I was just so angry. <laughs> I hated I just, everybody. Yeah. I hated everybody and I couldn't. I didn't want to talk to anyone. Obviously, you get all the kit, but you just don't feel like you learned it. And it's just that yeah. that being so close and yet so far. And and, and then I, I, like you, I did a bit of soul searching. I looked back at the year and I was just like, what could I have done better? And it's just like, I was just, it's a bit in shock as well, like how quickly things just derail. Because you can yeah. go from like being on a high and just thinking like it's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, like things change and that's it. And I think another thing for like this level of sport and maybe other sports as well, like it takes a certain degree of luck to make it as well. Like you you can have, and you can do everything right and you can still get injured. And 
there, there's there's nothing you can do about it and so you just, you have to prepare as much as you can yeah sure i think the most difficult thing is being able to live with yourself like with the possibility of not making it because obviously yeah. having not made it now i know that like you just said like there is luck involved no matter how well i prepare like something like this achilles injury for example yeah came out of nowhere total fluke and it's just being able to live with yourself like if you don't make it yeah um because i mean realistically this is going to be my last olympics like i i'm nearing 30 now and, and i can't i can just can't <laughs> afford to stay in the sport any longer same uh, yeah so. no i <laughs> i i think I, I was the exact same way whereas i was most afraid of coming back for another four years and then not making it again yes, and like yes. once i accepted that i would be okay with that then that's when i came back but until that point i was like there's no way i can come back like i can't feel what i'm feeling right now i can't be this upset this angry this hurt again mm -hmm. so like once i let my emotions cool and like you kind of step back look at the bigger picture you're like i can do this and then i like dove back in and three and a half years later here we are that's an interesting <laughs> point for the two of you as well like your both of your experiences as the alternate as the spare at the games how do you think that affected you like did it give you in a sense was it like a oh you know at least i was there or i experienced it i can know what it's all about i know about the pageantry and the, the opening ceremonies and i've experienced all that that's great i'll take that forward and use that or was it literally just fire because you were so pissed off that you were not that little step further and you feel just slightly removed from it all like you said sam so many times you felt like you didn't you didn't earn it or you weren't there like properly because you weren't on the team which i totally get which is the right way to feel because you know you're competitors and you want to that's going to drive you to the next step if you just went wicked and made it as a spare then you probably would have gone off and got an office job so it has it has pushed you but what what would you say your experiences of the alternate has done for you positively <laughs> take you forward either one of you jimmy do you want to go yeah um i think the olympics for me like it was still an olympic experience was it the Olympic experience that I wanted to have? Like, absolutely not. I, I wanted to uh, walk in the open, opening ceremonies. I wanted to compete on the line for my country, you know, and like that didn't happen. But like taking a little time and stepping back, like I still had an Olympic experience. Like I got to go to the Olympics and go through like 90% of what the athletes get to go through. And so like, that's really cool. But at the same time, like there's nothing worse than like being at the Olympics and you're standing like off to the side, taking all the guys clothes as they're getting ready to race. And you're like, yeah. Oh fuck. <laughs> like so close. Yeah. So close. Get um, your face and you're like, yeah. You're like, Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it, I mean, it, it's a hundred percent motivation, right? Like what, what motivates you more than like, just coming that close and and not actually succeeding i suppose um i suppose it's a bit like the uh the feeling of fourth place right uh, world champs you know you're not you're, you're one away from the medal it's like the cruelest spot to be but you're still there it's still great it's still a really good result but it's not exactly where you want to be um but obviously it's 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 done something to you guys to drive you further and uh, to to earn your spots outright and be there which i've no doubt you will be of course um, yeah. I want to pick up on one little point um, you made, Jimmy, as well, about how you said the guys coming from 
other sports, you feel like you haven't maximized your potential, so you find your way into bobsled and stuff like that. And recently, there's been a couple of things that have come up about this. You know, there was that American weightlifter who talked about the easy route and all this sort of stuff. And this is something I literally... It's triggered you so much. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking great. <Wow. laughs> um, all right, let's dive in. Yeah, I, 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 I hate it because it's, it's, it's funny because I think a lot of it, what it does is it feeds into this thing of, um, you know, that the other sports are more worthy than our sport and it's one of the things with the break when I'm like I want people to I still feel like sometimes people are almost a little bit oh yeah I did a bit of bobsleigh as well it's like no bobsleigh is a fucking amazing sport it's it's you know it's speed power it's purest form of racing you know it's like started by humans accelerated by gravity and it's quite simple engineering relatively unless you're in the German program god knows what the hell they're doing um <laughs> with respect um and you know and there's a reason that top athletes come from other sports in this sport and still don't push as well as a guy who used to play street basketball in Latvia. So yeah. there is something about this sport that some people are, are seriously good at. And yes, obviously, if you come from another sport where you have a high skill set, there's a great chance you'll transfer well if you apply yourself and if you take the sport seriously. But a lot of people don't. And that's what really, really gets to me because it's like, no, this sport is, is dangerous, high octane, fast. You've got to be super powerful, super fast. You've got to be super resilient, as you guys are a testament to. Um, and, uh, and, and, it, and it feeds into this notion, the British team's definitely had this for years, and I hate it, where well, certainly the Brits used to say it anyway. They'd always be like, oh, the Brits have got like the best athletes. And I'm like, no, we don't. We never have. We've had the fastest athletes, but that doesn't mean we've had the best athletes. And, and it really bugs me that because it, it perpetuates that athletic arrogance or track and field arrogance or other sport arrogance that, oh, I'll swan in and I'll do great. Um, yes, you might, but only if you apply yourself. And, and I think for you guys as well, so finding that actually, you know, you found a sport actually you're really good at, you're already good at that. Well, that's great. This is a sport that is skillful, it is technical. It is, um, you know, there's a reason that, uh, you know, you got like a whole, there's, a, there's like a team of Germans, probably about 10 German brakemen who can outpush most of um, the Brits who can run uh, low end of 10 seconds, 100 meters. So what does it mean? You know, it's, it's, yeah. I really want people to, you know, at the, at the top end of the elite end, like in any sport, the cream is the cream, you know, and, uh, and I want people to be proud of that. And certainly for you guys and Jimmy, definitely I've noticed you over the past couple of years, especially last season, you guys were pushing, uh, well, season before last, not last season, um, pushing so well. Um, so something yeah. obviously in your years of training and application has gone so well for you. Yeah. Is that a question or a therapy session? Yeah, well, it was. <laughs> it's kind of like discuss. Yeah. I'll, 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 I'll touch on the maybe the, the outside perspective of other, other athletes on this sport. I think, one, it was like super disrespectful for another high-level athlete to take a knock at another sport. Like when you know how hard it is to get to the top in your sport and like regardless yeah. of what that sport may be, like – it's incredibly challenging, whether that's like strength, speed, power, skill. Um, but then, I don't know, I, I think people have this perception of bobsled where if like, if you're fast then you're gonna be good. And if that was the case, every single person on a sled would be like uh, a low 10, 100 meter runner guy, or people think like, if you're strong, you're gonna be good. And if that was the case, everybody would be a weightlifter. And like, you can't have one, but you have to have both. And it takes a, a unique combination of speed and strength and technique to to make it and i i think looking back at uh hunter's sled from the fuck what season was that 1918 no 1920 wait uh yeah so i so i was thinking like the year 1920 i was like wait <laughs> way back bro <laughs> uh, yeah, 20, yeah. 20, 19, 20, 20. i yeah. mean our 
our crew like on paper good average but then then we push really well so it's something about finding like a unique combination of guys who just like help each other push fast i don't know i didn't say that very well <laughs> no no definitely like team cohesion plays a huge part you know and how you yeah. sam you experienced that yeah massively um i think cohesion plays a huge part but obviously like like jimmy said it's like a mix of many diff like different physical qualities that makes good pushes like um well jimmy and here we have um something called rollbox which are like um essentially bobsleds on wheels that we use on a running but, track with the really long frame sled one yeah 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 so, so we do a lot of our testing on that um during the summer but like i mean nick and myself are good examples where we can push like super good times on that and we're like i don't know three four tenths off the other guys on the 30. um yeah. so it's i mean obviously we have diff we're probably stronger and we can jump further but like it's it's a different sport it's not sprinting like, that's why sprinting doesn't necessarily transfer that that well well um, and the team cohesion point is pretty big on it. yeah sorry it's on that point <laughs> yes yeah, <it's not laughs> what you already talked about the team, yeah my bad so obviously you've come from rugby as well right you know international rugby and we're, which is a yeah. huge ethos of you know, dick and that whole thing of you know the collective raising everybody you know and, and that's so true in bob's saying we've seen it so many times where you have the individual best pushers and you know number one two three of the push ranking don't often don't make the best crew they might be good yeah. But the best and often a time with you know a group of lads or, or a couple of ladies who do very very well together is because generally there'd be some sort of mutual respect or friendship or trust you know weighing on that <laughs> yeah no I, I agree like um obviously i've been in crews where the guys probably shouldn't have pushed as well as other crews and we've ended up out pushing them by a long way and it's been factors, like you said, like cohesion, teamsmanship, um, like kind of intangible things that makes crews really good and you perform above and beyond what you probably should perform as. Yep. Um, obviously, like you said, rugby is a, a team sport and it's, there's a massive cultural thing there um, where everyone, I guess it's the same as football in the US, but everyone's quite level-headed and it's kind of always pushed to be level-headed. Um, and I was like, I had such a huge shock when I came to Bobsleigh because I just could not believe the egos. Yeah. And the fact that the coaching staff would just let it happen. Um, and it, yeah, it's, I mean, it's still around now. And it's, yeah, I think if you're going to learn anything from team sports, it's that you will perform better if some kind of general code of conduct or culture, I'm putting that in inverted commas because it's such a, a cringe term, is like implemented. I'll say this about the, the U.S. team. Um, we have a tendency, we, we've tried to move away from it, but we still do it all the time. We have a tendency to overemphasize the individual push. So yeah. like we have our individual push champs in the summertime and like everyone tries to blow the doors off the barn for that event. And then those teams, the guys who go one, two, three, never end up pushing together. And it's just like, but but still, like everyone is convinced that if you go like you're the fastest individual pusher, you're going to be on the fastest crew. And like that certainly increases your chances, but it's just, it's just weird how the best combination of guys is never the guys who are like on paper, your fastest and strongest. It's strange, isn't it? Cause I think every nation does that and they seem to value that. 
and yeah. it's like it's been proven time like the athletes know it's like it doesn't mean anything and yet yeah. coaching staff i guess i don't know maybe it helps like if they make a selection it helps like validate it but like as an athlete you know like it's not necessarily the best pushes that end up being the best crews especially yeah. four months yeah. uh, sure I got, this is about to drop off, guys. We've got less than a minute, and I think it's going to drop off any second. I'm going to do a quick roundup. <laughs> so thank you so much for your time. Um, I've got some really good stuff in there. That was a really good chat. And uh, thank you for giving me your time. And, uh, yeah, hopefully this will be this one of many good chats I have with more people. Good luck with your processes back, your recoveries. Um, no doubt I'll be seeing you uh, on World Cup come the winter. Or in China for our horrendous thrashing when we're out there. Can't wait for that. Yeah. That'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All the best, cool. guys. Thank you.